Hi, it's Dune here, your host and hype girl. And before we dive into today's episode, I want you to take a hot second to reflect. What's that passion, unique experience, or knowledge you have itching to be shared with the world? For me, it's always been about guiding you and cheerleading incredible women to start your businesses. So what's your thing? You see, everyone's got something they excel at, something they just can't stop talking about. And it turns out that one of the best ways to monetize those passions is through sharing that thing with the world as a digital course product. My life's work has been to chat with more than 600, 7, 8, and 9-figure e-commerce founders. And it's through those conversations that have led me to creating a foolproof playbook and my go-to guide for early-stage founders in the form of my first-ever digital program, e-commerce fundamentals. But it wouldn't have been possible without Thinkific. The beauty of this platform lies in its simplicity. Cute templates and a super easy to use editor. No coding headaches, no tech-induced stress, just pure focus on what matters most, the content. So if you've ever been curious about building a course to teach your passion, this is the way to do it. The genuine support from the Thinkific team turns it from this lonely, confusing headache into the most fulfilling and easy project. Go to the link in my show notes to get a free trial on me. This is episode six with Greta Rose Van Reel. Today I'm chatting to Greta Rose Van Reel. She's the creator of Skinny Me Tea, the Hey Influencers platform, Drop Bottle, The Fifth Watchers, and her latest project, Tomorrow. We talk about how she went from $24 in her bank account to making $1 million in a single day on just one of her businesses, how she approaches solving problems and building businesses, and some of her best strategies and tactics for success. This is Greta for Female Startup Club. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, Greta, talk to me. How did you get started? I started in business in 2012, so it's nearly 2020 right now as we're chatting, so that's nearly eight years ago now, which seems insane. I just finished my degree in media and communications, so it was a bit more marketing focused. I didn't really do much on the media side. I was never interested in becoming a journalist per se, uh, but I did like writing and I got a job at a agency just in the city in Melbourne where I live and it was in digital marketing and I thought it was like a bit of a dream job right out of uni like it paid well it had a lot of room for growth I was reporting directly to the CEO of this big company ticks the boxes so I was yeah I was pretty pumped about it but very early on when I did start there I didn't necessarily like the corporate structure Mm. of it all so I realized or learned very very quickly that my job was basically making my boss look good not doing Mm. my work so I didn't really like the politics side of all of that and Also, I'd worked really, really hard during uni and I worked really hard during high school and I'd finish work at five and be like, okay, cool. Now what? What do I do the rest of my day? Exactly. So I was like, I need like a hobby outside of work that is still applying what I'm learning at work. And so I started writing down all these different... Exactly. I started writing down all these different ideas and I was like, I remember my first ever Instagram account where I sold anything wasn't actually my first brand. It was... Basically, I was using it to sell my clothes through Instagram. I think it was like called Shop My Wardrobe or something. But I was actually pretty sneaky in the way that I would grow it. So people would go crazy for certain items. So dodgy, actually. But I have no problem talking about it. So what I would do is I would like list like a Celine bag or something, for example, that I did not own. And I would like list it, hashtag everything, tag different accounts, mm. and people would go crazy and In the comment comments. like 200 things. I'd be like, yeah, sorry, that's sold. Um, <laughs> so I was building up this big demand. I so I knew that things could easily sell through Instagram yeah. because I'd hold these like little options, basically, like comment yeah. options. First to comment kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I'd be like sold. And then I'd put up my like shitty little item like whatever I was selling some used shoes or something (laughs) and people would still go crazy because it was like that scarcity and that like exclusivity and I didn't even realize what I was doing I just knew that that was what worked I didn't know that that's because you know things like the Instagram algorithm favors engagement for organic reach so the more engagement a post gets early on in its life cycle the more organic reach it will get engagement as well yeah exactly 
And the reason that that is, is because basically the way that the Instagram algorithm works is that it shows your post to 3% of your followers. And then how that 3% responds determines how much of the next 3% it will show and so on and so forth. So it's a closed loop. But if there is, you know, once it gets up to maybe, you know, the 10 or 20% saturation point, if it's performing exceptionally well still, then it will push it through to like more viral reach. So organic reach is when your followers see your post and viral reach is when people who are not following your post see it. So places like the explore page or into the top exactly so that's totally still the case so basically i had this big list of ideas and one of them was like an app version thank god i didn't do this one because gosh apps are expensive but one of them was this app version of what i was doing on instagram maybe it would have been like a depop type thing but i'm Mm. sure it would not have been a depop i would not have known how to execute it in that way for a tech company then with the budget that i had which was like none at the same time, I had been making these like tea blends and I'd started making them for people around the office and we'd all had some pretty big weekends all together. I was 22 by this point and we'd just been, you know, having some large nights. But yeah, so we basically, I was making these blends of tea for people around the office and then their friends started wanting them and then their friends did. And it got to the point where I was making this like tea for everyone and I was calling it like a tea tox and I was like, and were they buying it or you were just giving it to them? I was making it for them. I was just making it. No, they weren't buying it. They weren't buying it. Like I found it very awkward to ask them for money. That is how, like, it's a widely like publicized fact that I had $24 in the bank when I first started. Yeah. The reason I had $24 in the bank, well, there were two reasons. One was because I had a fortnightly wage as well. It's not like I had $24 in the bank and I was this irresponsible human. Like I had $24 in the bank. I lived at home with my mum still. Like I didn't necessarily, you know, have high living expenses mm, and yeah. I did have my fortnightly wage, like, you know, give it like a week and I probably, you know, would have more. Again. Okay. So I basically spent everything that I had though on making this on tea products, for people. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is so awkward. I don't know how to ask people for money. Like, what do I do? And so then one night in bed, I'm like, okay, this is not ideal. And yeah, I was like, actually, you know, I've also been playing with ideas of having like a side business hobby sort of thing. Yeah. And that's what I kept telling myself for like the first year. I was like, this is a hobby. And like, I didn't even set it up as a real company or anything for the first year. I did not have a company structure to the extent that I got hit with this 50% tax bill at the end of our first year of trading because Ooh. I was a sole trader, not Ugh. a business. Oh my God, that's going to happen so, to me. <laughs> oh no, don't say that. You please look after yourself. And so basically I Googled one night in bed, I was like, how to start an online store or like how to create an online store, I think it was. And Shopify came up and I was like, okay, well like, cool. I can't code. I can't do any of that stuff. I'll yeah. go on here. I'll create this store. Let's see how it goes. So I went on, created this store on a Sunday. It took me like about eight hours or something. I think I just kind of sat there with my laptop for the day. Yeah. I like playing around with it. it. Yeah. yeah. It is the fun. Took the, I know, but the bit that took the longest was like the info page that was like, I basically wrote up this big page of like all the ingredients that were in the tea and why I'd chosen each ingredient, like mm. what the effect was of that yeah. ingredient with that product as a whole, like 
once I started really researching it and decided that, you know, this could be my like business side hobby thing, I like, I went to the Melbourne uni library and I was like reading up on the effects of herbs on the body, but I took a kind of reverse approach again, instead of like the ingredients I want to put in the tea, because that's how most people would create like a tea. They'd be like, okay, I want green tea. I want this tea. I want this thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I know that I want the tea to perform these certain actions. You know, for example, if I want it to be a weight loss tea, I'm going to look up herbs that assist in like the obesity management. Like I would just look up the most like next level, like medical case studies and trials of different herbs like that. Or like if you wanted it to be an appetite suppressant, there's a couple of ingredients in the tea that when they're combined, it delays gastric emptying by 50%, which is technically like the amount of, I did biology in high school too. I was pretty into it for the uni too. And it delays how frequently your stomach empties itself into your intestines, basically. And that if the food is kept in your stomach for longer, like 50% longer, you feel fuller for longer because your stomach is still sending signals up to the brain being like, I'm still full because the food is still just in your stomach as opposed to, you know, being digested. So created this store, created an Instagram account for it. I already knew, you know, how to grow an Instagram account through growing that wardrobe one. Mm. One of the main tactics was honestly like back in the day just then, it was just like sitting down and following a whole ton of different people. And then I would follow like, all of my friends and all of their friends and then all of their friends until I felt like I followed like literally every girl in Melbourne. And then I'd be like, okay, who do I know in Sydney? Oh yeah, that girl lives in Sydney. Now I can go fan out from her followers and like follow all of them. So the different pockets. Yeah. So it was just kind of going down that rabbit hole and letting it keep going. And because we were growing on Instagram, once we hit the thousand follower mark, people would see that an account with a thousand followers was following them, which was a huge account on Instagram yeah. at that time. Most people had like 50 followers in 2012 because it was yeah. still very much like, okay, I follow my friends and maybe like one celebrity. But they'd be like, why did this page with like a thousand followers follow me? How cool. And then follow it back. So we had this like really high refollow rate as well. We launched and we sold like four packs of tea on our first night. And I was like, cool. And there's that profound moment where you're like, this thrill is like addictive. I need that thrill again and again and again and again and again exactly so like what do I need to do to keep getting that and at that time for me it was just like the further we grew on Instagram the more sales we'd make so I think because I didn't really have a background in business at all I had never read a business book I'd never heard of Tim Ferriss or like Eric Reeves any of these people like I literally was just like throwing things against the wall and seeing what stuck. Yeah. And if it stuck, I'd be like, cool, I'm going to just gonna keep doing that. It was mm. just so obvious to me because that's all I knew. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, oh, I should try SEO. I should try email marketing. I should try this channel. I should try YouTube influencers. I should try TikTok influencers. Like, so it was so much more simple because I was just like, yeah. okay, I'm onto something. I'm just going to keep repeating that. Like, I think that there is this kind of, overcomplication of business as a whole and you do really need to lean in and find the things that are working for yeah. your business and just keep doing those until they don't work anymore so yeah that's how we started that's and how you got started so cool yeah no we grew really really quickly we were like selling like twenty thousand orders a month at one point slimy um which was crazy holy heck uh, and that that's was amazing yeah, so that was like within the first six months of the business. So it just like exploded and it was just kind of one of those Instagram first brands. And we won the Shopify Builder Business Competition. So then I get got to meet a whole ton of these mentors who I'd never heard of. <laughs> so like Tim Ferriss. Yeah, you met Tim um, Ferriss there, right? 
Eric Rees was so one of cool. mine who wrote the Lean Startup. As what did well. you have to do to enter that competition? It was like, well, is it a competition? It was, is that what you call yeah, it? it's a competition. It was like just a really easy entry. Like it was on your Shopify dashboard or something. Mm. It was like, do you want to sign up? I was like, yeah, sure. sure. Got to be in it to win it. Cool. And then there was a leaderboard, and we could see that we were like at the top of the leaderboard for the majority. But then they turned the leaderboard off for like the last week so that nobody really knows. And I'm like, are we still going to do it? We did, and we got that call. And I was in Hong Kong at the time, and I remember the call so well and it was just so exciting I ran back into the restaurant I was like guys guess what oh my gosh so yeah holy smokes and did you have any fears when you first started skinny me tea was there anything that you were worried about like about building a big brand when you were so young and yeah I just starting out I was worried about everything it was just constantly problem solving constantly putting out fires like my biggest fear, I guess, with SMT, and I've spoken about this a little bit before, but like we would be over as quickly as we began. It right. felt almost like an overnight success in the way that it happened. And I mean, four packs of tea on our first night was success to me at that yeah. time. And then it just kept getting relatively bigger and bigger until yeah. like my definition of success or like my goalposts for success just kept moving with that. And I was always, you know, really worried that something would happen and mm. I'd have to go back to how everything was before. And I was living in Hong Kong by this point. It was just like a year after we'd launched and my life was just so different. And I was like, so scared that it would all go under. And every night I'd go to bed and be like, okay, Greta, you've had a good run. Like you've done well up to this point, but after this, like oh gosh. you're done. And it took until a good friend of mine in Hong Kong who is also like an incredible business person. He worked for like one of the world's largest turnaround companies. So they were basically turnaround companies that had been like losing hundreds of millions of dollars back into right. like making billions of dollars. Right, again. right, right. So he was like, Greta, like let's look at this realistically here. It's a Thursday night right now. If everything went under tomorrow, which is Friday, what would you be doing on Monday? And I was like, starting again. And it was just like the most obvious answer to me, but I, no one had ever asked me that question. I'd never yeah, asked myself. You needed the it. prompt. Totally. So yeah. that's like one of my favorite quotes, like that quote about, you know, if you do need to start over, you won't be starting from scratch. You'll be starting from a place of experience. And I think that finally kind of relaxed me in that way because I was like, even if the worst happens, like I know what I'm going to be doing now and I have learned so much and what mm. I'm doing is repeatable. So yeah. at the end of the day, that's basically what I did. I repeated it. That's amazing. And I want to talk a little bit about why you started Hey Influencers, your platform, which is so cool. I love the branding so much. Oh, thanks. So you. cute. Tell me about why you started Hey Influencers and a little bit about that. Yeah, so Hay basically started out of my own need. Like I think that a lot of the time the best products are always out of a pain point that you felt yourself because it kind of makes you an extremely like authentic person to be solving that problem if you felt it yourself, of course. Yeah. Even a few times recently, I've gotten, this is just the weirdest thing ever. This is just strange to me. But I think because Founder do such a great job with their ads, I've got into a few Ubers and they've been like, you're Greta. No way. What? Yes. What? (laughs) And they're always at the worst moment to be saying that to where I'm just like dead tired and I've just been in the office and I'm like, oh, yep. Yes, I am. Or like I'm super stressed out, like on my way to the airport or something. And I've just like been packing and like one of the drivers was lovely, but he was like, what's an idea? Like, what should I do? And I'm like, oh, like that's the one thing I cannot give you. I really think that it's very important to have felt 
that pain yourself and to do something that of course you're like truly passionate about and utilize your superpower that's what happened with hey i had been running like a lot of different influencer campaigns across my brands we've worked with over five thousand influencers so i've definitely been on that side of the market from an influence perspective but also at the same time i'd obviously grown a really large following on instagram for my brands and across my vertical accounts we had about 16 million followers on instagram i think when hay launched maybe it was about like 12 or 14 or something like that but a lot of followers on Insta across different accounts. So I'd kind of seen it from the other side of the market too. Yeah. And so I just set out to basically scratch my own itch with hay, which I think is always like a great scenario with a product. I was just like, well, if, you know, if this only works for my brands, then so be it. And great. Yeah. yeah. What was the process for you? Like, yeah, okay, I need to find a developer. I need to find a designer. Or you're like, yeah. I know what I want it to look like. Well, I know we just how I want done to an app for Skinny Me Tea and we worked with an agency out of Melbourne and that app had gone to like the number one in the app store in health and fitness. So I called this guy up, Evan, who's a friend of mine as well, and was like, hey, Evan, I've just had this idea of something I want to do. I don't care how much it costs, just make it happen for me in a month. I want it in a month. Oh, my and God. he was like, <laughs> um, no, we, I don't know if we can do that in a month. And also, Greta, it's Valentine's Day and I'm out to dinner with my wife. So that was Valentine's Day 2014 was oh when I first like came up with like overall concept for Hay Influencers. And at the time, that was called Nicheify. The biggest difference between like an influencer and like a traditional celebrity is that celebrities have built up their following around like their talent and around you know, a very broad audience. It's like mm. it's them that's the center of everything. But a lot of the time with influencers, it's much more niche because mm. they've built up yeah. their audience around a certain style of content or yeah. a certain skill set or a certain asset. That was like the core focus of the platform and also being able to filter by niche and, you know, kind of yeah. start to get some of those demographic or psychographic filters sort of in there as well. Basically, we built Nicheify and it took on a bit of a life of its own and I realised pretty quickly that this was something that I was going to need to offer to other brands as well to make it like financially viable. So we ended up going and we raised money from Blackbird for our seed round. The round was led by Blackbird and then Amalfi Capital, who one of my like good, good friends and mentors, Paul Wade, is a co-founder of, and then there's Tris, the other co-founder. So they're based out of Melbourne with Paul and San Francisco with Tris. And this was the first time you'd done, like, investment? All my e-com brands are bootstrapped, but, yeah, it was quite a learning experience. Like, I think I found it easier maybe than some in terms of the pitching side because Blackbird are very adamant about backing founders, not necessarily even, like... Yes, they're interested in like the idea, but like I already had a bit of a track record as a founder. So and yeah. they knew that I was in a good position to be solving this problem as I've been on both sides of the market. Yeah. And I'd already had a lot of skin in the game because I had invested entirely in the niche of my platform up until that point. So it wasn't too hard necessarily from that side, but it was still really difficult kind of from those early scrappy sort of startup days, it was hard to get everything, all your ducks sort of in a row. So due diligence took ages, it dragged mm. on. I found it very, very stressful. I just got into one of those states where every single decision felt like it was a life-changing decision and the littlest things were stressing me out about making. But we got through that and raised <laughs> the money. And then you're another brand. <laughs> oh, well, it happens. 
in between all of this, like when I started Nature Pie, we started the fifth as well. So mm-hmm. that was with my co-founder, who's also my ex-boyfriend, fun times. And the fifth came about during all of this as well. So I'd already started Nature Pie. It wasn't Hay Influences yet. It really became Hay Influences when we uh, got that backing from Blackbird. Yeah. Because we kind of came to them with a pitch being like, look, this is what we've learned from Nature Pie. We also are not happy with our platform. We want to, you know, redevelop the, the entire platform. And yeah. yeah, and we want that to become this new platform. We're even renaming, we're rebranding. Yeah. We worked with Love and Money Agency, who are in so this good. office that we're in yeah. right now to do all the branding and UX sort of design wireframes mm. side of the platform. So that's how all of that happened. That the fifth kind of happened in between there as well. And the fifth is a really unique brand because it was built on the concept, which was different to your other e-commerce product and the platform, obviously. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and tell us more? The fifth basically came about by accident, to be honest. Like the brand itself was called the fifth because Alex was in Melbourne and I was in New York and he called me up and we were discussing the brand and we were trying to come up with a name and I just happened to be on Fifth Avenue at the time and was like, what about, you know, the fifth? That's cool. And then we were just playing around with the name a lot and we came up with this like Instagram account concept that was called the fifth view, which was all like views from above down. So like this was mm. right when flat lays yeah. and drone shots were really coming into popularity. Yeah. So the entire account was just basically flat lays and drone shots of landscapes. And it made sense as well for watches because, you know, a lot of the time you're taking that pick from above down onto of your the wrist arm. of the watch. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the way that the model came about we ended up getting the watches on like the 3rd of December and we're like oh we're called the 5th wouldn't it be cute if we just launched on the 5th of the month plus it was my co-founder's birthday on the 5th um, of yeah December. on the 5th of December so oh we're gosh. like what a fun birthday um that's so cool so we basically launched on the 5th of December we've been growing a large audience on Instagram which we'll go into I'm sure after this but we'd been growing a large audience I think we had around 70,000 Instagram followers at the time and we'd converted a lot of that audience across onto our wait list as well mm. so we had a around I think 8,800 emails when we launched and we had about 1,200 watches to sell and we're like that'll last a month if it did incredible because that's like over a hundred thousand dollars worth of watches like that'd be a great first month we sold that on our first day in the that's end crazy and oh so my god so we sold out more like oh, <laughs> this birthday like there was still another month until watches arrived again because we'd known that, you know, we'd need watches again the following month. So it was another good month until we had more stock coming and we're like, oh gosh, like how do we make people not hate us right now? Because they've all been waiting for so long and they're like, when are they coming? When are they coming? Okay, they're here. Yeah. Great. Well, we did a good job at building the hive, but it was like, it was too good because then we're like, the other, you know, the 7,000 people on our wait list, 7,600 people on our wait list that missed out are going to be really angry at us. They're going to be ticked off. One of the like things that I've learned through Skinny Me Tea a lot was that communication is key, but the interesting part is like communication shapes the reality of a brand as well. And if you're able to kind of communicate something differently, it creates an entirely different perception off the back of that. Mm -hmm. So we basically, I was like, okay, let's turn this negative into a positive. What can we do? Let's be strategic. We need to pretend that we meant this. I started writing this email and it became like the like iconic email of the brand. Like we all read it and we got goosebumps and it was like crazy. And I just sat down and I was like, okay, so 
thank you for joining the waitlist. You're about to find out just how important that was. The thing is, at the 5th, we only sell our range of watches on the 5th of each month for five days or until sold out previously. So see you next month on the 5th. And that became our entire model. It ended up being like just a entire total value fluke. proposition of the whole I brand. Love it. it was an entire fluke. We just played with what we had, which was our name, the fifth, the fact that we'd launched on the fifth and were like, well, clearly five days. It was all fives. We already, our first range had five watches in it as well. So we'd already been playing around with the number. And so it just, it all happened quite organically. And we ended up like basically reconstructing our entire brand experience around that model. Okay, so you say you redesigned your entire brand experience around your model. Can you give us an idea of what this looked like during the month versus actually at the launch? Yeah, so during the month, our entire brand experience was geared towards sign-ups. So you'd go onto our website, instead of add to cart, it would be sign-up. Like even on our shop all page, you could enter your email straight onto the watch, like straight there through the website. So we kind of changed all of the main call to actions, which are usually to shop now Mm -hmm. to be based around that. And so during the month, all we wanted to do was like get more signups and grow through that because we knew that the more signups that we had during the month, the more customers that we had to sell through to at the end of the month. So then at launch, basically what we do is we'd email all the people that had signed up because they're our VIPs and they got first access to the store. So between midnight, and 9am they would get early access and we would lock the entire store down with a password so they would have had to have signed up during the month to to receive the password so there was such a reason to sign up as well like you have to give people a reason to buy or a reason to perform a certain action and that was our strong reason that's why a lot of you know marketing is around seasonality and things like that because even just, you know, a Black Friday sale, for example, is a relevant reason to have a sale because people understand that other brands are having that sale and it makes sense. Like they can rationalize yeah. that. Yeah. So a lot of the time when you are creating like a reason to buy, it's all about your consumer being able to rationalize that in their head and be like, okay, I get why that brand's going on sale. It's not just like a desperate ploy for yeah. more sales. And they're like, okay, I'm prepared for that day. Like I'm ready exactly. for it kind of thing. So that was very much what it was like with the fifth. We would build up as much hype as possible we would literally get people to set their alarms our emails like for the five days leading up to launch were very much like okay we launch midnight australian time that's x time here that's x time here that's x time here all around the world if you need to know you know what time it is for you you can email us through and we'll let you know but set your alarm in your phone for that time and go on and shop then because we often sold out like some of our stars would sell out within the first minute for example which was just like it was really cool too because like because the model worked like it did it meant that every month all the people buying our watches if we sold out each month and we sold out for like every month for like at least the first six months until we could like finally work on getting enough stock we kept forecasting how much we'd need and then we'd end up selling more and more just like, snatching through the goals we were trying not to like live too far outside our means we were just like reinvesting the money from like we were entirely bootstrap so we were reinvesting the money from the company back into the company again and mm. we didn't really want to have to put additional capital in and which is obviously quite an expensive, expensive item, yeah, yeah per unit so the coolest part was that like 
every customer that did get one was like our raving fan. Like it was the person mm. that had set their alarm, waited up and purchased within like They're a They're going to shout the loudest about it. Exactly. Tell all of their friends and yeah. post about it on social. So it was great word of mouth and people felt like very special for the fact that they were able to get one. So like yeah. the way that that model worked as a whole was basically like the limited availability of the watches and the scarcity of the watches created more demand and more hype around the brand, while at the same time, the exclusivity, so the fact that there were only so many and, you know, you couldn't get them all throughout the month, you could only Mm. get them at that time, created obviously a highly increased perceived value because, A, you're waiting for something and we want everything yesterday as a modern consumer. But when you're told to wait, it does become that bit more special. It's delayed Mm. gratification, basically. Mm. There's like this brand that I was reading about the other day called LOL Surprise Toys. It's the dumbest name ever. It's hilarious. (laughs) But they're like in two years or something like that, they've been, I think they're valued at $4 billion dollars. And it's basically this toy for kids where the packaging is basically the product. So horrible for the environment. There's like unboxing videos of these on YouTube with like a million views and stuff. The unboxing is the entire product. So it's like this tiny toy that's wrapped in this giant box of wrapping and you have to keep unwrapping, unwrapping, unwrapping. And it takes like 20 minutes to unwrap this toy. And then by the time you get down to it, you're like, here's the toy. But because, you know, everything is so instant, we live in, you know, such a push-button instant gratification society where people just expect something the second that they've done it now. Mm. That delayed gratification does really increase perceived value. And I think, like, the coolest part with the fifth was that traditionally in the fashion industry as a whole, especially, and in jewellery and kind of all designer items, exclusivity has been created by price so Mm. like the more expensive Mm. something was the more exclusive it was because not everybody could have it because it's a five thousand dollar diamond ring yeah not everyone can afford that which is completely fair the cool part with the fifth is we were bringing that exclusivity that was usually associated with that high price tag to the masses because we could have them at accessible price so whereby most items were exclusive because they're expensive we were exclusive by time not by price Mm. so good a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And so let's talk about, like, obviously the model clearly worked and we know the story, but what were the actual results like? What are the actual numbers that you have that you can share? As you know, day one, we did around $100,000 in revenue, which was just like my co-founder's best birthday ever. I remember we were just in shock, to be honest. Were you in this um, office? We weren't in this office, right. no. We didn't have an office yet. Like, oh, it was just oh us, God. basically, and his younger brother, who was doing customer service. And then we hired his cousin, who was doing growth for us. Oh then we gosh. hired another one of my really, really close friends, Davey Fogarty, who is definitely an entrepreneur to watch. He's doing incredible things. He's the founder of Calming Blankets. Oh, yeah, right. Woody has just some incredible brands that he's building, like, he is such an up-and-coming little star. He's like 24. I'll well. link this in the show notes so we can check him out. Yeah, he can have a stalk. He'll hate that. He doesn't like <laughs> to be watched. But sorry, Davey, your dog did. So it was, yeah, very much like kept quite within the family at our friendship circle to begin with. Yeah, so we didn't have an office space. We were doing it out of my house in Paran at this stage. And we used a lot of the members, like, of course, of my, like, SMT team as yeah. well. So yeah. our graphic designer did all of the, like, initial branding and the Shopify website and stuff. And Ella, my like two I see in everything that I do, organize like all of the company documents and she set everything up tax wise and she set mm. everything up like right from the start, finally oh, this yeah. time, as opposed to all the mistakes yeah, you already that knew it. I'd made. Well, mostly right. It was right enough. Right enough. And I think I read somewhere that you did a crazy number like $1 million in a single day. 
what the heck. Yeah, so we did have on our first birthday, which was the 5th of December, we did a million dollars revenue in that day. And the craziest part was like about a quarter of that was in the first minute. Oh my God. Which was insane. That's insane. Um, Holy smokes. In one year, that's just like, it was a big one. It's like that drug, that drug, that brand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there we go. Freudian slip. It was like a drug. Like you will never get such a hit. You know what it's like, like sales coming in. You're kind of like, cool, cool. And like when you do, you know, a big launch event or a sale or whatever, and like more are coming in, you're like, cool. That was just like the highest scale. It was just insane. And had you done anything to tweak your strategy in the lead up to that day? Or was it the same, like building the email list for the 25 days of the month and then like promoting? It was all about building the email list. So email was everything for us because it was our main way of notifying people Mm. that a launch was happening. Right. So like an email list with an alarm in their phone. And I think that is underutilized. We just did that for our drop bottle relaunch as well and got people to set alarms in in their phone. And you can see right as it goes on to that time, like an influx of sales People, people are just instantly in. Yeah, because they're like, okay, cool. Here's the reminder. Like, I'm yeah. in. I've bought my thing. Great. Exactly. Oh, cool. Um, and because they've already done that, it feels like they've already maybe committed to themselves. Like as a consumer, the consumer's committed to potentially making that sale and they're more likely to make that because they've already made that small commitment to your brand. So yeah. it's like that kind of progress effect where they're like, okay, well, I've done half of it. I may as well just follow through and actually make the sale now halfway there, which was very much what it was like with the fifth too, because once they'd get to our website, wake up, set their alarm, get across to it at like some ridiculous time, like midnight or 7am or 5am or wherever they were in the world, when they would do that, They'd be like, okay, well, you know, I've come this far. I'm going to buy a watch now. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, here. Like, I'm I fully the committed. Password. I'm, I'm here to do it. I'm here to get this watch. Yeah, yeah wow. Give it to me. Yeah, that's real, like, true commitment. It's just unbelievable. That just shocks me. And so can we be a little bit more specific about how you got the emails and, like, what the actual strategy was yeah, behind definitely. the Instagram and building yeah. those leads? Yeah, because obviously, like I say, email was, like, our end result, but obviously we had to keep doing different things to drive that email. And yeah. by that point, we had plugged in a bit of paid. It was mostly retargeting. So most of the awareness stage was still coming through Instagram, and then we'd retarget in more so maybe the consideration stage, then we'd get their email and convert them through there so that was kind of our funnel like social media awareness like retargeting for consideration and then basically conversion via email the three main ways and I always do this I love like my three somethings like I have yeah. like three R's to find an influence or we might go into those later like I have like so these were like my three I's for the fifth so they were basically Instagram, influencers, and incentives. Okay, cool. This is going to get confusing because with the three eyes, I think for like every single one, I have another three. So <laughs> with Instagram, I always talk about like the three C's of community. Okay. And so they're content, collaboration, and consistency. So I guess we'll do a quick little tip under each one because... Because why not? Yeah, because we must. So content-wise, I always I'm all for just giving the people what they want like identifying your top performing content so going through if you have a business account on Instagram or if you have a creator account for example you can go through and you can see your top performing posts 
and just taking a look at those, seeing what the sorts of trends are on one of our accounts, which is called BeFit Foods, for example, which is just like a big foodie account. Like strawberries always kill it. Like again and again and again. Don't ask me why. Must be just like the color pop and I don't know. Our followers are just obsessed with strawberries. There's like 900,000 people obsessed with strawberries. It's such an obvious tip that I think that Mm. just going back to basics. Yeah, repeating what's working. Exactly. And that was very much the same with me. Like I'd always lent away from really growing like a bit of a personal brand Instagram account because I was always like, no, I'm just focused on my brands. But when I started, hey, it started to make a lot more sense from kind of more like a business to business growth perspective. So I did start really focusing on my personal brand and then I launched my course with Founder. Um, and then it made more and more sense to still, you know, be focusing on personal brands. So I went through my Insta and I usually just posted stuff about my life, just like the highlight reel, as we all kind of do a lot of the time. And then I posted like a couple of quotes over time and they just like outperformed all the rest of my content Mm. by far. And I just realized that it's because like the people there that are following me are there for like entrepreneurial tips and hacks and like actual actionable value yeah so I was like well duh but I hadn't even really (laughs) thought about it so now basically every second post I do like a tweet that's then repurposed to Instagram and or like a quote you're really good at sharing strategic like tips and tactics it's amazing I think I learned that well through founder like because we had to sit down and distill like what I'd done across all these different e-commerce brands so that we could then say okay here's like my formula or my framework Mm. for other brands to be able to do that as well in Mm. like our start and scale course I got good at being like, okay, like, why did we do that? Like, how did we do that? Like, what's a way? Okay, so if I want to put up like a quote that's like a bit fluffy or aspirational or like how do you then create actionability out of that as well? So Yeah, the extra value. Yeah, so that's been like my big change in my personal brand account and my engagement had been seriously like dwindling because my account is so old now too. Like it takes more and more to keep engagement up over time for older Instagram accounts. So mm. because I've had my I've had my personal Instagram account since 2010, like I used to just use it to filter photos yeah. in 2010. I was like, cool, a photo cool. filtering app. And then I saw that people could like see your photos. They were trying to turn it into a social network. And I was like, how creepy. I don't want people to like see my filtered photos. So they were my original thoughts. How weird. Yeah. Instagram. I don't want people seeing my like private filtered photos. So I put my account on private at that time. I didn't start posting on it until like 2012. So that's content. Then the next one is collaboration, which is like collaboration is your biggest growth lever. So collaboration could be influencers it could be collaborating with other brands, other brands like yeah. to host like a loop giveaway or that cool tactic that you were talking about earlier do you want to share that one quickly yeah so um we were talking earlier about this tactic that i was listening to on a video i can't remember the name of the channel but i'm gonna find it and link it in the show notes we'll credit you buddy we'll credit who you are but <laughs> i can't remember for the life of me but basically this guy was talking about this strategy that he has to build an email list from scratch when he has no money and no starting point and no social media. And so what he does is he picks a niche. So for example, I'm just going to use fishing because that's what he did it in. And he goes to like three different brands that complement each other in the space. And he's like, yep, I'm going to set up this loop giveaway 
um, are you interested in being involved? Da, 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 da. And he gets them to donate some product. And all they need to do is like, include a link to the competition in their newsletter. And so it's linking to an opt-in page where you just opt in with your email and then you're in the chance to win. There's some really cool platforms that you can use to do that. Like we just use, there's one called Gleam, like G-L-E-A-M, or there's one called Viper, V Y P E R, where you can create like incentivized giveaways mm. as well. So yeah. they're really cool. We and just I think used you can Viper one for our drop bottle relaunch. We did like we gave away ten bottles um, and just you know generated like a few thousand extra emails and more social followers off the back of that as well. Yeah, really, really cool. So he goes and pitches the same idea to like three brands, for example, and puts together this really amazing prize pack that obviously everyone wants to enter. And then the brands talk about it in their newsletter and get people to opt in through subscribing. And then he basically comes away with a huge database of like, he's the example that he gave, he managed to get 10,000 emails. And then he shares that all with the brands. So of course they've got their existing audience that already entered, but then they've got audiences that are relevant to them from the other brands and he starts his strategy his email strategy like that yeah so that is like the perfect example of like a co-marketing technique yeah. so under collaboration yeah it could be collaborating with brands like brand to brand so more like brands that you would see as like collaborators rather than competition so yeah. like brands that would be within your niche but not directly competitive to your brand like yeah. you know exactly. my drink bottle brand wouldn't do one with another drink bottle brand but we yeah. might do it with you know like Barocca or something exactly like a hydration yeah. blend brand yeah so those hydration icy balls that you have yeah I love those <laughs> so that's your biggest growth lever because basically you're leveraging other people's pre-existing audiences to grow your own so yeah. that's collaboration so we've got content find your top performing content and post more of it who would have known we've got collaboration leveraging people's pre-existing audiences and then there's just the final c which is consistency so not only does consistency help like establish front of mind positioning through your brand through repetition but it also is favored by the algorithm for example so yeah like if you post and you can imagine like if even not from an algorithmic perspective, just from a reach perspective, say you post seven times a week and your post gets a hundred people seeing it. So a reach of a hundred. If you post seven times a week, your overall weekly rate is 700. So if you post one time a week, it's just a hundred. Yeah. So like by posting daily, you're already increasing the amount of people that see it. And even if it's the same hundred people again and again and again, I'm just giving a hundred as an example, it'll probably be a little more than that. Mm-hmm. Could be a thousand, could be more than that, could be 10,000. If the same 10,000 people are then seeing that post again and again, that's not necessarily a bad thing either because you're like building a relationship with and you're getting your brand in front of them at multiple different touch points. So, and it takes, you know, a few times for a consumer to see your brand a lot of the time to then follow through and make a yeah. purchase. Definitely yeah. on social media. I think they say, yeah, seven times is yeah, like the average. The average. Yeah, so because social media is not really a direct response platform. Like Instagram, you can tap through and just buy straight from there, but advertising is traditionally a lot more direct response because mm. like you can tap through straight to, you know, like of a Facebook ad straight through to a landing page that is structured exactly for, you know, that targeted audience. Yeah. So consistency. Good one. And so yeah, when you're talking sense. about collaboration in the seas, you obviously have built a whole company centered around collaboration, which is the Hey Influencers platform. And if there's one word that describes like the power of Hey Influencers, what would that be for you? 
influencer marketing as a whole, I would say that the word would have to be relationships. Like influencer marketing is all about relationships. So whether that is the relationship that your brand has with an influencer, which is really important to build like a personal professional relationship with your influencers, but also the relationship that an influencer has with their audience and the way that they're Mm. able to leverage that audience, that pre-existing relationship and audience on a brand's behalf. Because at the end of the day, the power of influencers doesn't lie in their reach. Like you can get reach through paid advertising. What it lies in is the relationship they build with their audience and fundamentally trust. And traditionally, it's taken brands years to build trust, to build Mm. consumer trust. And now you have access to people who can leverage trust on your brand's behalf instantly. So it's kind of an unprecedented opportunity for brand building in that way because they don't only have their audience's attention, they also have their trust. So that is why we basically structured high influences in the way that we have as well because it's a relationship management platform, basically. We call it like an IRM. So influencer relationship management platform, like a CRM. So, and that's why we structured it like a dating app because there are a lot of marketplace platforms out there. And I don't think that the marketplace mechanic works necessarily when it comes to human beings. Like they're not a commodity in the same way. Like a relationship cannot solely be a transaction. It works really well for like Airbnb and Uber for cars and houses, but they're things, they're not people. And at the end of the day, you can't make a transaction out of a relationship. So that's why we went for a dating app mechanic because Mm. basically that is the fastest building relationship technology available right now. So we utilize that. And leveraging like a platform that you already know that mechanic works. So like just basically adapting it to your business. Yeah. And like it makes it that bit more interesting for our influencers and brands as well because like that dating app mechanic is like it's kind of gamified. It's very Mm. reward centric. So it's fun. Yeah. And so it makes it like a bit more exciting to be on an app that is ultimately quite work-based yeah and when you're looking for influencers for your brands in particular what kind of factors do you look at i use the three r's formula which is reach relevancy and relationship so reach i guess is one of the most prioritized aspects for influencer marketing for a lot of brands like they'll look at someone like Kylie Jenner and be like, look at that, like look at all those eyeballs on her. Mm -hmm. But she's not always going to make the most sense for every brand, obviously. But the thing is that I think that the where a lot of brands trip up when it comes to reach is not just over prioritizing reach, but also looking at reach as a static figure. So if you look at an influencer and they have a hundred thousand followers, but they're dropping two thousand, three thousand followers a month then they're clearly not maybe going to have the same influence as somebody who is growing to 3,000 or growing to 1,000 influences a month. Yeah. So if you could lock an influencer, a high growth influencer into maybe like a three-month contract, that's what we were really successful at doing at the fifth. We locked in some like super successful influencers like Jay Alvarez and Lexus Wren when they were like super high growth and we locked them in at their kind of current rate even though by after three months their rate had significantly changed and mm. some of the influencers would even come back and be like look this is my rate now and we'd be like sorry we already paid in advance so that is like a really good tactic to kind of yeah lock influencers in for a longer term if they're really high growth or lock them in for like multiple posts or for a longer term to kind of get the price per collaboration down because it's yeah. kind of like a bundle. Maybe I it's, think it's better to work with influencers that way versus like a one-off just random thing where it feels a bit icky. 
you know? Yeah, totally. Like it's like they don't really truly love the brand. No, yeah. It feels like they are obviously just pushing it for the cash money. Yeah, exactly. Honey, Exactly. (laughs) What's one mistake that you see brands making again and again when it comes to influencer marketing? I would say that one of the big ones is just basically not optimizing their social media profile for conversions. Like you need to remember that if you're running an Instagram influencer collaboration and that profile isn't optimized for like conversions that that Instagram account is like your landing page Mm. for that campaign. So when an influencer posts on your brand, the next action in that sequence will be that they tap through to your handle, which is in the influencer's caption, and they'll land on your profile. If they get to your profile and they can't tell what your brand does, they don't know what the next call to action is, the aesthetic of your account is entirely different to the types of influencers they're working with Mm. and it makes no sense, then, like, obviously they're going to be far less likely to convert in different ways. So, like, one of the ways, obviously, to convert would be to follow your brand and then you can kind of build a relationship from there. So if the aesthetic is really different, they're going to be less likely to follow your brand. Another conversion would be if they tap through to your website from your bio, but if there's nothing, you know, describing what your brand is or why there's a reason to tap Mm. through right now, like putting like a little bit of urgency around that or creating, you know, a great reason for them to tap through being like tap through for a free gift with purchase, for example. I would say that optimizing your social profile, so making sure that your link in your bio is working as hard for you as possible, that it's really obvious, like, what your brand is and what makes it different. So having basically, like, your unique belts, your UVP or USP in your bio, making it obvious for people that have just landed on your page and have never seen you before, and also making sure that you're collaborating with people whose content matches your own as much as possible yeah the style and the aesthetic of the brand even if you know that a big influencer collaboration is going to go live you can repost one of their old photos to your feed like if you don't have their content yet and also you don't want to ruin the surprise you could just repost one of their lifestyle shots and credit Mm, them because then when their followers going there they're like oh look they post about this person that i follow or yeah i'm obsessed with as well is there any kind of like influencer kind of campaign that you're loving at the moment like what your favorite kind of influencer yeah i think like to work on a really underutilized one is the facebook ads takeover okay i feel like what do you mean very soon future husband would be really into <laughs> what um, is it i don't know it's like an ads genius so it's basically whereby and i'm sure you've seen it happened before but like I think a lot of brands aren't taking enough advantage of it whereby for example founder will run ads through my own personal Facebook account so for example this agency that one of my good friends Nick Shackelford used to work for he's just gone off and started his own he's incredible anyone that's interested in Facebook ads should check him out for sure he's yeah on Insta Nick Shackelford he worked for an agency called Common Thread Collective and they basically worked with the same influencer who was one of the big, big, big names. They're not allowed to say exactly who. Uh, she has 70 million followers on Instagram at the time. We can imagine who she probably is. So basically they ran one paid campaign that was like a $500,000 budget to post like basically Holy just smokes. one, yeah, one post through to her Instagram. And that converted like well enough. It was fine. But then they ran another campaign 
through taking over her Facebook ads, so getting advertiser access to Mm. her Facebook ads, and that absolutely killed the other campaign. So basically it cost $250,000 to get her to create the content for the brand, which was like I think like a product review video, and then they boosted that through her ad account. And the good thing is she's also really big on Facebook as well, so they could advertise to her Facebook followers, they could advertise to her Facebook engages, they could advertise mm. to her Instagram followers as well through there. And the cool part is they're a US-based brand and wow. half of her followers are outside of the US, so they could target through that as well and just get US-based followers in the mix. Like they could stack her audience with their own, they could yeah. add all, all these the likes and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So wow. it was just like I That's feel so like cool. every brand should be giving that a go right now. It doesn't obviously have to be anywhere near that scale yeah but it could just be in terms of an influencer that you're already working with who's already created great content they may not even have that large like they don't need to really have a facebook following per se mm. it does work a little bit better when they are a verified facebook profile founder got my page like my greta page on facebook verified and it does help just for that kind of like tick of verification the there so that's a really interesting wow. tactic. I'm love. definitely going to give that a try. I feel like I need to start doing a few things like that with my King's influencers because we have so many girls that love the brand and I'm sure that by kind of taking the partnership to the next level could be like a really interesting thing to start testing. Yeah, definitely. And see what kind of results it brings. And let's just quickly talk about the last point we were speaking about a bit earlier, which is the incentives and what you recommend around that. Incentives basically just implies rewarded action so it's giving somebody like a strong incentive or a strong reason to you know click through Mm. or make a purchase or like perform a certain action on behalf of your brand it might be review our product in return for 10 percent off or it might be click through from our instagram via this link and you'll get a free gift with purchase for example purchase or something like that yeah i really like the whole free gift with purchase thing same Um, i'm always like give it Give it to me. Give me the gift. I'll have to find the Shopify app for you guys. But there's this app that we use that automatically applies the gift with purchase to your cart as well. So it'll add it in and it will add the value of the gift and then have it marked out like crossed out and be at zero. So say it's like a pearl ring or something with yeah. kinks. It'll be like, well, this ring is usually like 50 or or $100 and it's crossed out and now it's zero for you. That. So that's like a cool thing because they can automatically see that in their cart and then, then that obviously increases conversion rates. Yeah, because, like, yeah, I yeah buy. it kind of goes through. It's any kind of incentive that you can offer that's going to help get that person through to the next level. It might be signing up to your email list. So it might be those on-site pop-ups that come up and say, like, enter your email to unlock this discount code or this free piece of content Content, or a guide or a recipe or something like that. Do you do recipes with drop bottle? We do do recipes, Yeah. yeah. That has been quite a successful one Mm. in the past. A lot of the time we do find that, like, just the generic discount code works even better than a recipe. Mm. So just like yeah. $5 off or 5% off or $10 off or 10% off. If you're able to offer dollars off because you have like basically a relatively single skew product, 
that's always going to be the most successful because people automatically understand that's ten dollars. Like ten percent, they may not know what your price is yet, and yeah. don't haven't worked that out. Like yeah. it's not an instant understanding. Yeah, ten dollars is just that kind of static figure that you're like, yeah, cool. Yeah. So I would always recommend offering like dollars off if you can, rather it's worked than discount. better for me with a dollar off versus a discount. Yeah, because I think as well, like people don't care about ten percent. They care about ten dollars. Yeah, if, if exactly. it's in that price point, it could be point, the exact kind of same. Thing. It's the psychology, I guess, but behind the buying. Like, yeah, people don't have time to work things out. Like, just making your user experience and customer experience as frictionless as possible. Like, mm. the two main things that I always think are people do not have the time, and people don't care. To be honest, like people yeah. really don't care about. Like, they care to an extent, obviously, that on our website, whatever, but they don't necessarily care that much about our brand, for example. Like, when I'm doing an email, I always add, like, a summary kind of banner at the top of the email. Mm. Like, we try to get to the point as quickly as possible for the people that are just skim reading. Mm. And then for the people that do really care, they can read down they through can get the info. Depth. But yeah. I always just think, like, get to the point, no one cares. That's a good one. Get to the point, no one cares. Yeah, great. No what a motivational, <laughs> aspirational thought to finish on. Thought to finish on. <laughs> Okay, you've been listening to us for a while now, but stick with us. At the end of every episode, I ask the same six quick questions to get more tactical advice directly from the founders. If you want to see the filmed interviews, you can find them on my Instagram at Dune Roisin. Where can people find you? Where are people directed to see you online? Yeah, the best place is going to be Instagram if you have it uh, because all of my different links are then in my bio there. So that links through to like my LinkedIn, it links to all my different brands, it links to my course with Founder, it links to my free course with Shopify. Yeah. So my Insta is really pretty simple. It's just Greta, G-R-E-T-T-A. Path, and we will link it in the show notes. All right. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you. Bye. Now we're doing the six cues. So... Greta, what's your why? What's the purpose of what you're doing? I think it's taken me a while to establish now. I always kind of wondered what motivated me. And I did this, like, I think it was like a psychometric test or something with Blackbird when they were looking to invest in my platform, Hey Influencers. And it basically covers a lot of the commonalities of successful founders and you don't know obviously what you're going to get as a result for that test um but everything came back really good all was well except this one thing they were like ah oh, we're a little concerned that you don't seem to care about money and I was like ah uh, which I totally get that's a valid concern when someone's giving you money you're like ah uh, do you care that we're you know do you care on what you're going to spend it on like yeah. it seems concerning to us but I think just ultimately I've realized over time, like, obviously, like, money comes and goes, and that's a great thing, and it's more than fine, but what really, really excites me every day is ideas and Mm. solving big problems. So, like, I think my earlier startups, yes, they've always been, like, quite problem and solution focused, but I think as I progress as a founder now, I'm going to kind of be able to get into solving like bigger and bigger problems. Yes. So with Drop Bottle, you know, it's a large problem. Like hydration is a huge problem and being able to kind of, you know, create a product that doesn't only kind of look good, but does good as mm. well for the world and mm. kind of leave the world in a better place than we found it. So like our goal with 
drop bottle is kind of twofold. Leave the world in a better place than we found it and leave people in a better place than when they found before they found us. I love so that. that's really nice. nice. So I think if I just keep that as a goal across my brands from now on and just work on solving larger and larger problems. Um, yeah. The next problem I'm really, really interested in as a space is like sleep and mental health. So, and yeah. the connection between sleep and mental health. Um, I need to so, know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> I need all of that. I need lots of sleep and lots things. of mental health. I need health. all the mental health. <laughs> I need it all. <laughs> Give me the tablet. Um, yeah, wow. That's a really cool like insight. And I guess like what you're building, having that impact is something that like, gets you out of bed in the morning gives you like the drive to and I think that is part of it too and the other part is with people that I love like I think a really great quote is if you want to go fast go alone but if you want to go far go together so I really love that as well so I think it's just for me it's about solving big problems getting to like do the fun stuff that I love every day like come up with like lots of fun ideas and work with like amazing people, people yeah. that I am get excited to like go into the office every day to see yeah you're inspired by them and like what they're exactly what they're doing in their own right kind of thing totally yeah. oh that's really nice um okay so question number two um as per the format is what's the thing that made your business pop and so obviously you have multiple businesses so you can choose wherever you want to go with that one um and yeah what was the main thing I think collaboration has always been the central key with my businesses. I think like you could say social media, but behind the social media, again, like behind Instagram, the way that we've always grown on Instagram has been through collaboration. So leveraging someone's pre-existing audience to build your own. So whether that's how we spoke about in the podcast with like leveraging that to build your email list or it could be you know via Instagram influencers uh, to build your Insta following or it could be collaborating with like another brand on Instagram that's mm. like not a competitive brand but more a collaborative brand because basically that is your growth lever in business so that is the number one way to kind of mutually engage with each other to unlock like free opportunities within yeah, business. Leap like, ahead in bounds versus like small kind of increments. Exactly. And there was a pretty big collaboration that you were telling me about earlier that you had um, with Drop Bottle. Do you want to talk about that? Oh yeah. Well this the one big came, one. <laughs> this one, the big one. Um this one came about basically by accident. So we had grown a lot on social and um, Oprah came across our socials. Um, So crazy. And their team ended up picking us as one of their favourite things. And that was on the front page of Amazon for a week, which just absolutely exploded our brand, Uh, especially in the US market. So even still today, we have more US-based customers than Australian now, for example, even though we're an Australian brand. Um, So that kind of really pushed us out there in the US. But Mm. I think like, again, it's like leveraging every opportunity as far as you possibly can. So like the way that we're still able to kind of, you know, include in, you know, our social proof videos and like on our website saying like the bottle loved by Oprah or Mm. like including her kind of um, her quote about the product. Yeah, so it's a a handy little thing to have. So like it's not just about like when these things happen, like it being, you know, like 
things pick up, it's about kind of the longevity of that as well. Like how long can you like keep this up for? I reckon you can keep that for a pretty long time. Yeah, I'll be. That one's not going anywhere. (laughs) I love Oprah. Oh my gosh. Um, Question number three is about how do you win the day? And this is all centered around the mindset and the rituals that you like incorporate for yourself to help you succeed in like your businesses and in your life and yeah. I think there's like a lot of different things that we can all talk about here, but like my number one, number one, number one tip is breath work. Like basically we all have within us the capacity to instantly change the way that we feel uh, through the power of breath. Mm -hmm. And if you are feeling stressed or anxious or if you're you're kind of in that like fight or flight mode, which a lot of us are in day to day within business. It's just about being more mindful, slowing down, doing a breathing exercise can be as simple as like one of my favorite exercises is called box breathing, where basically it forms a box as well. So you breathe in for five, then you hold for five, then you breathe out for five, and then you hold, um, then you hold for five. And how many times a day would you do that? I will, and then you repeat that four times. Oh, so okay. that one I do a couple of times throughout the day, wow. ideally. But that. tell me, we were talking about one earlier that yeah. your partner does. My partner does. Um, his strategy is also Which around breathing. It's just one conscious breath a day, and he does it multiple times a day. But he thinks like he just takes a moment, takes one conscious breath, and wishes happiness and kindness onto complete strangers and by doing that he just takes a moment to pause and reflect and you know um be grateful for himself and his life and it's a nice feeling to be wishing good things to other people yeah i I love that i forget to do it but i'm gonna start i'm really gonna start (laughs) lucas is calling hey lucas hey lucas you can't come in on our call sorry hi (laughs) we love you though love ya um number four is where do you hang out to get smarter a lot of places, but my favorite one right now would have to be this newsletter that I subscribe to. It's called Lean Lux. I'm sure we can link Lean it. Lean Lux, we're going to link it. It's basically okay. a newsletter on all things direct to consumer. So, kind of breaking really cool. down and summarizing a lot of that with like a lot of links through. So, it's a newsletter that then links out to like a whole ton of different publications, definitely not just their own. They're basically like they curate the information and then yeah. print provide it to you in like a really really great really thought-provoking way as well and the cool part with lean lux this is a really cool tactic that i haven't seen many brands do before either is i spoke we spoke in our podcast about like rewarded actions and incentivized actions and basically with lean lux if you've had over i think it's like over a maybe is it 50 or 80% open rate over the first three months that you've been subscribed, then you have the ability to apply to join their private Slack community, which is like a group of founders that are all talking at these topics in more detail, networking, like some incredible direct-to-consumer founders. And yeah, so I think that is like a really, really cool added bonus of that. And I think like that's thought-provoking too, because like how could you leverage something like that on your brand's behalf? Like maybe, you know, if they had a 50% open rate, you know, you could give them some other kind of incentive. Yeah. It could work really well for Female Startup Club. It could really work quite well for Female Startup Club. I would join a Female Startup Club Slack channel. I'm, I'm 100% going to do Well, that. now there's two of us on the Slack channel. So yeah. anyone else that anyone wants to Anyone want to join our Slack channel? Open our emails. <laughs> <laughs> Open the emails. Um, and there was another one you were telling me about, which I'm also just like, 
about to download. Oh, yeah, that the, one. The other gem of information that you um, gave me. So basically, like, we all have, like, the biggest reading list, I'm sure. Like, there's so many books oh, you're like, I need to read, you know, the new Ben Horowitz book, um, like the one about culture. Uh, we are what we become or whatever. We become what we do or whatever it's called. Sorry, Ben. Um, but... So we all have like a really large reading list all the time and only so many hours in the day. Um, I use this app called Blinkist. So um, we'll link through to it. I'll link it, yeah. I always spell everything out because I just assume that it's confusing to yeah. understand what people are saying, especially if maybe you're not from Australia and my accent is really confusing to you. Um, so Blinkist basically summarizes books into really actionable bite-sized pieces. So it summarizes it into 15 minutes of reading or you can listen to it via audio. And what I do is I do both at the same time because then I'm listening out loud and I'm taking it in from that component. I'm also reading it at the same time. And a lot of the time I pause it and the reason that I love this is because you can read an entire like business book, but because it is long and there's a lot to get through, you don't really stop at every mm. point to action that. Yeah. So basically with blinkers at the end of each blink, they're called a blink, like each section of the book. Mm. At the end of each blink, I write down three different ways that I can action that blink across my business. So it's about like intentional reading, like you're reading that with the intent to action it because obviously at the end of the day, ideas and learning are all very well, but like if you don't take it on. Exactly. Like if you don't execute it, it meant nothing. Like if you didn't track it, you didn't do it. I'm so into it. I'm going to download it today because I'm going to use it on the flight home. And I will give you guys a bit of a snapshot of some of the books that yes. I'm reading as we're well. Gonna, I'll we're screenshot screenshots yeah. of the books that you've got in your Blinkist app, which I love. I often ask people, like, just what's in on their, their reading list? Yeah, what's on their yeah. reading list. I put their recommendations into my notes and who recommended it. So when I read it, I can go back to them and be like, oh, I just finished the book that you recommended. Totally. And I... If there's like one book that I think that everyone should read that's in marketing uh, about like persuasion is Influence by Robert Cialdini, which is like a classic and it's like the psychology of persuasion. He basically has seven different principles, um, including like obviously like things like scarcity or things like unity or things like likeness. Um, and I read a really good Shopify article that breaks that down really, really well and links it back to e-com as well and how to like use reciprocity within your business with like a free gift with purchase or use scarcity with countdown timers and things like that. So I will link that as well and we can put that in the notes. That'd be great. Put in the Slack channel maybe. Oh yeah, it's in our secret Slack. That video. Slack that you're going to join? Yeah. <laughs> um, number five is around the concept of failure and when you do fail, do you have a specific approach that you're kind of like, okay, this is what I need to do to move forward or is there a specific example that you can share of what happened and what you learned from it? I think like my number one thought when it comes to failure is that like to mitigate failing overall, it's about failing as fast as you can in the micro to not fail in the macro. Mm -hmm. So like the faster, like fail fast is like one of my favorite quotes to live by. So like the quicker that you can admit that you made a mistake, that something's gone wrong without an ego, without placing blame, because there's Mm -hmm. no use of placing blame because as a founder, the solution, like the problem to be solved falls on you. You need to solve that. And, you know, if it was one of your team members, ultimately still that's your fault. Um, You should have, you know, managed them better or led them better. So I just know that, like, I need to 
not blame anyone else, just understand that something has gone wrong and now it's time to fix it. Of course, I need to grieve the loss. Like I will cry, but I'm really great. Like once I have a cry about something, it's like this, like I think like resilience is like got to, it has to be, if you can't handle stress, you're never going to be able to handle success because success is extremely stressful because obviously you're out of your comfort zone a lot. You're having to constantly push put yourself. out fires, push yourself, solve yeah. problems. Be prepared to fail. Exactly. Um, so I would say that that would be mm. kind of my number one tip when it comes to failure, just fail fast like grieve your loss but once you're over it like find a solution yeah so it's like actually if you look at the definition of resilience it's like the speed at which we can overcome adversities and like that speed is the most important part because as a founder every single day there's going to be problems there's going to be losses but if you can't get over them quickly and you keep getting stuck on ones in the past and can't move past those and move forward from there like that's why I love to be decisive because then you have that closure and it's just done yeah as opposed to those things that linger on that are out of your control that you you know they're always the worst things in life Mm, yeah um great and last question number six it's more of a gimmicky question it's around if you had only one thousand dollars left in your business bank account where would you spend it and it's kind of referring to like what your main sales drivers are and where you place the most importance in your business budget yeah it's a hard one of course because across our business like every channel works in tandem with Mm. all of the other channels it's very hard to have a standalone channel like even facebook ads which is what i'm going to answer even facebook ads you don't understand the interplay between all like a lot of founders don't or like even we don't a lot of the time because you can't attribute everything but you don't always understand that kind of interplay between you know, social media driving the top end of your funnel or email marketing driving, you know, the consideration stage of the funnel. Email's a little easier to track sometimes than social, especially Instagram, or, you know, influencer collaborations driving the top end awareness Mm. stage. So um, I am going to have to say Facebook ads because it is still kind of the most plug and play um, marketing channel. It's still the most direct response marketing channel. People are most used to using Facebook as a platform to shop through that it is quite a direct response channel. So I think I would invest that there because it is so easy to attribute as well. You can see, you can start with like five, $10 budgets and then start scaling it up from there. And you can pull the money the second that, you know, it's not profitable. But a lot of the time, you know, you'll be seeing like at least three plus return on ad spend Mm -hmm. on a successful campaign where a lot of the time, I mean, it's hard to determine a successful campaign. We could go on about this for a long time, but like it's a combination of obviously like your creative um, assets, your copy, the ad structuring itself. So like what your partner does from a like structural perspective, like placing the ads, layering audiences, uh, choosing targeting, all of that sort of side. And then the final one would be like your offer ultimately yeah. to the strength of your offer. And it's always balancing the strength of your offer or the size of your offer with what your cost per acquisition is really. So mm-hmm. say you have 
a $30 cost per acquisition for a product, um, but you want to offer $10 off, then you can only really have a $20 cost per acquisition to still be profitable because you've offered that $10 off. But you actually might find that because you do have that offer and that reason or incentive to buy, that you are able to achieve like a $20 cost per acquisition because the offer is stronger. So it's always balancing all of those things. It's like, so your content, your so like your creative and content your the copy for the ad like the copywriting uh what you've written um the caption of the ad or whatever we call that uh then your offer and also the actual placement and targeting of the ad itself so it's yeah. getting all of those things right together but which sounds complicated it but sounds complicated when there are a lot of different variables it's kind of a good thing because if you just keep putting them together in different ways and testing and testing and testing, you will come across the winning result. You just scale that. Scale it. Grow that brand. (laughs) Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show, and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's June here. Thanks for listening to this amazing episode of the Female Startup Club podcast. If you're a fan of the show and want even more of the good stuff, I'd recommend checking out femalestartupclub.com where you can subscribe to our free newsletter. We send it out weekly covering female founder business news, insights and learnings in D2C, and interesting business resources. And if you're a founder building an e-commerce brand, you can join our private network of entrepreneurs called Hype Club at femalestartupclub.com forward slash Hype Club. We have guests from the show joining us for intimate Ask Me Anythings, expert workshops, 
and a group of totally amazing, like-minded women building the future of D2C brands. As always, please do subscribe, rate and review the show and post your favorite episodes to Instagram stories. I am beyond grateful when you do that. (laughs) 